Let's start in Taiwan. Back in 2009, I got a firsthand look at the complexities of the Taiwan-China relations. Well, we went to southern Taiwan to cover a visit there by the Dalai Lama. Now, China consider him, the spiritual leader, to be persona non grata. But most Taiwanese are Buddhists, and he was invited to comfort the nation after a typhoon killed nearly 700 people in August 2009. China accuses the spiritual leader of wanting independence for Tibet, and it claims sovereignty over self-ruled Taiwan. So they were far from pleased, saying the visit was bound to have a negative influence on relations between the mainland and Taiwan. And so a speculation that U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi would head a congressional delegation to Taiwan, it came as no surprise that China, certainly a different China now from the one it was back in 2009 under President Xi Jinping, would react with even more anger. Pelosi arrived today, Tuesday, to become the highest-ranking American official in 25 years to visit Taiwan. She arrived aboard a U.S. Air Force passenger jet and was greeted on the tarmac at Taipei's International Airport by Taiwan's foreign minister and other Taiwanese and American officials. Pelosi said on social media prior to the trip that our visit reiterates that America stands with Taiwan a robust, vibrant democracy, and our important partner in the Indo-Pacific. By traveling to Taiwan, she wrote, we honor our commitment to democracy, reaffirming, reaffirming that the freedoms of Taiwan and all democracies must be respected. China, well, to be predicted, the People's Liberation Army announced it would conduct live-fire exercises in regions surrounding Taiwan, while the Ministry of Foreign Affairs accused Pelosi of making a provocative visit and warned you at the U.S. it would be responsible for the consequences. The U.S. must give up any attempt to play the Taiwan card and strictly follow the One China principle and fulfill the three Sino-U.S. joint communiques. If the U.S. insists on following the wrong course of action, then it should be responsible for any serious consequence arising thereof. That was the Ministry of Foreign Affairs spokesperson in Beijing. The Kremlin is also strongly warning the U.S. against provoking China, saying it will raise tensions to a new dangerous level. But the U.S. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan says China's attempt to portray a senior official's visit as hostile is, quote, on them. The United States is not looking for escalation, but of course, we will reserve the right to ensure that we are defending our interests and we will stay vigilant to whatever China chooses to do in the coming hours and days. U.S. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan there. So why now? How much does it knock a very delicate power dance between China and the U.S. off its feet? And what impact will it have on Canada's relation with relations with both China and Taiwan? Well, joining me now with more on this is Charles Burton. He's a senior fellow specializing in China and Canada-China relations at the McDonald Laurier Institute. Thanks so much for your time. Good evening, Ben. So what do you make of this visit and the timing? It, it all seems, uh, I mean, both provocative and, uh, and uh, somewhat encouraging at the same time. Yeah, I mean, you know, Ms. Pelosi originally was planning to go to Taiwan in April and then came down with the COVID-19, wasn't able to go. So now she's having a, a tour of East Asia. She's going to Japan after this and uh, South Korea. She's already been in in uh, Singapore. And so, um, you know, Taiwan is on the agenda. It might have said, made a statement if she hadn't gone to Taiwan. But I think that the visit has been opposed or at least treated with caution by really all the parties involved, the Biden presidency, the Pentagon, uh, as you say, the government of China, and I think the government of Taiwan are worried that uh, Pelosi's visit to Taiwan could um, exacerbate tensions and continue the process 
that we're seeing in the world today of of a breakdown of the international rules-based order as it seems that Russia and China and its allies are ranking up against um, Canada and the United States and our like-minded countries with regard to democracy. You know, certainly uh, before Ms. Pelosi went, a lot of people felt that her visit was foolish, um, dangerous and unnecessary out of fear that the very fact that she would try and, and set down on Taiwan could lead to a response from Chinese People's Liberation Army Air Force uh, aircraft and to incur into Taiwanese territory and that the Taiwanese um, defensive forces would have to rally uh, to, to meet those aircraft and these kinds of activities are necessarily dangerous and what would happen if you know, two of those planes crashed into each other on a, while they're playing a game of chicken or something. And, uh, and fomented a very serious international incident. As it turned yeah. out, um, that didn't happen. And so now she's there reaffirming U.S. support for democratic Taiwan against autocracy, which, you know, as you say, has got to be a good thing. Yeah, I know that uh, President Biden and President Xi had a long phone call last month. I know the White House hasn't exactly been, didn't exactly get out the pom-poms for this visit. Uh, where, where do you think the concern is? I mean, at, at one point, if you're going to, if you're going to defend Taiwan or at least talk up Taiwan's right to its self-determination, at some point you have to let people visit and not, uh, not necessarily back down if uh, the Chinese make the kind of noise they usually make. Sure. I mean, what if uh, we just stood idly by while China went in and, uh, turned Taiwan into a province of the People's Republic under the autocratic uh, dictatorship of the Chinese Communist Party. You know, what would that say to all the democracies around the world that are allied with us? You know, I think China's looked at, at the half-hearted support for Ukraine by Canada and like-minded allies and the United States, where it looks like the Russians uh, may eventually achieve their military objective to subordinate Ukraine to a kind of Russian uh, empire and and think, well, you know, everybody talks a good talk on Taiwan and our commitment to democracy, but maybe when push comes to shove, um, if China engages in in uh, activity to, to blockade Taiwan or otherwise um, bring Taiwan to its knees so that so that it will um, fall into place and to the return to the embrace of the motherland as as the PRC puts it and and we will just uh, feel all oh, that's regrettable but accept it because you know China's important to us as a trading partner and Taiwan has a population which is one sixtieth that of the People's Republic of China but you know I think people like me um, believe that there's things that are more important than the immediate economic interests of large Canadian corporations, and that's standing up for the integrity of the international rules-based order against uh, a very serious threat by um, China and Russia, mostly led by China's power and influence and money. Yeah, I was, I was mentioning earlier that, of course, I'd been there in 2009 when the Dalai Lama visited. Taiwan would always flare up now and then in, during my time in China. But uh, under Xi Jinping, it has taken on a different dimension. And, and, and domestic politics in China right now, or domestic considerations, I should say, in China right now, do play a role here. Uh, there's, they're going through some tough times economically. There's the COVID lockdowns. And uh, Xi is, has placed a lot of uh, stake in, in, in sort of being 
masters of their own domain in some senses. And Taiwan obviously falls into that. Absolutely. And I mean, there, you know, if one could argue that Ms. Pelosi's motivation has to do with domestic uh, U.S. politics, specifically uh, congressional elections coming up, uh, you know, she also has domestic considerations. As you say, he's in a weakened position because of the declining economy due to the um, massive program of lockdowns to try and control COVID-19 in a country that refuses to import the effective mRNA vaccines that China, for some reason, has not been able to produce itself. And um, you know, his general, the general dissatisfaction of people with Xi's return to sort of Stalinist old norms and greater control and censorship and internet um, blocking and all of these things that the people at the at the uh, ordinary level of citizens are unhappy about. If she, in addition to that, was seen as being weak on Taiwan or allowing the United States to make China lose face. I mean, after all, when Mr. Xi spoke with uh, President Biden by video conference a few days ago, you know, he said that uh, it was unacceptable for there to be official contacts between the U.S. government and and the Taiwan regime. And it was playing with fire. And those who play with fire on Taiwan will self-immolate. Well, I mean, that's pretty lurid democratic discourse, even for China. And, um, you know, if, if, if Pelosi goes there and China doesn't do anything which demonstrates to its people that it's defending uh, China's claim over Taiwan, then uh, Xi's position would be seriously um, debased and it could affect the fate of his desire to assume absolute power over China at the next uh, Chinese Communist Party Congress this fall. That's right. He's uh, about to take on a third term, which, of course, uh, in recent times is unprecedented. And yeah, that is some very Kim Jong-un-esque Kim Jong-un uh, rhetoric from uh, from the Chinese president. I'm speaking with Charles Burton. He's a senior fellow specializing in China and Canada-China relations at the McDonald Laurier Institute. We're talking about House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's visit to Taiwan. She's there as we speak. She's the highest ranking U.S. official to visit uh, Taiwan in many, many, many years. Uh, we're just talking about the implications of that. When we come back, we'll talk a bit more about what China China's possible reaction could be, because certainly the threats are there. And also, what impact does this have on Canada that often finds itself caught in the middle of U.S.-China relations, specifically when things get a little heated? Uh, we'll be back with that. Our guest is Charles Burton. He's a senior fellow specializing in China at the McDonald Laurier Institute. We're talking about Nancy Pelosi's visit to Taiwan. She is there as we speak, the highest ranking American official in 25 years to visit uh, Taiwan, uh, the Speaker of the House. Canada has been noticeably quiet on on this visit, haven't they? I mean, not to be unexpected, not unexpected, but still uh, not much coming from uh, from foreign affairs today about this one. No, I mean, it's unfortunate that Canada seems to have basically lost the plot with China. You know, we don't have an ambassador in Beijing. I mean, since Dominic Barton decamped in December 2021 uh, for completely inexplicable reasons. We don't seem to have come up with anybody to replace him. So we're not able to um, engage the Chinese regime at the senior level. It's, you know, you're ne- you have to have an ambassador there. Charge d'affaires just doesn't cut it in terms of protocol rank. So, you know, if there is a crisis over Taiwan, um, 
I really don't think that Canada is prepared to come up with an appropriate response just because we just don't seem to be focused enough on the uh, China issue. You know, there has been a promise of a reset in Canada-China relations going back to about 2017. The government has appointed an Indo-Pacific Policy Advisory Council, but that seems to be more about just delaying making a decision to make a policy statement that will uh, satisfy Canadian public opinion that our government is properly aware and properly responding to China's um, overall global agenda, including what they do in Canada, like cyber espionage and menacing uh, persons of Chinese origin in our country, most of them being Canadian citizens, and influence operations to try and and get people who have influence over the policy process to um, not support any kind of policy measures that China uh, would feel was hostile to their overall interests here. So, you know, it, it's an unfortunate situation that Canada is so far behind our like-minded co- uh, co- uh, colleagues like uh, Australia. You know, the U.S. set up a, a security consortium in the uh, Indo-Pacific, and it consists of the U.S., the U.K., and Australia. Uh, you know, last I heard, the U.K. was not an Asia-Pacific country, whereas Canada definitely is. But uh, they didn't care to invite us to participate, I think, because we're just seen as, as absent from this, uh, from the international dialogue on, on China's threat to the international rules-based order. And yet here we are with, you know, with a large Chinese Canadian population, a large Taiwanese population, certainly the Taiwanese. I mean, we're an important, they're an important trading partner for us. We'd, they must look to us at times to see what we might say when these sorts of things happen. Well, I think certainly if you look at the government of Taiwan, it's a democratically elected government that reflects the will of the Taiwanese people that has a political agenda very similar to Canada. You know, a stress on the middle class gender rights, uh, indigenous people, um, you know, really the president of Taiwan, Tsai Ing-wen, and uh, our prime minister, Trudeau, and, and, you know, the other, even uh, members of, of other parties, really share a lot in terms of, of social values and respect for human rights and uh, independent rule of law, in pretty sharp contrast to to our engagement with the People's Republic of China, who, which just isn't prepared to engage in fair and reciprocal relations with s- smaller nations based on the principle of equal sovereignty and respect for the rights of individual citizens. So, you know, there's a lot of reason why we should support Taiwan because Taiwan affirms the values of the international rules-based order and they're a trustworthy partner that that we can deal with in a fair and reciprocal way. So, you know, one would like to see a lot more Taiwan in, in China and a lot less China in Taiwan. I have about a minute left, Charles. If you if you look uh, at what China's response will be, do you think this may blow over or are we in a, in a dangerous time right now? I think that, you know, the general trend is is towards increasing tensions and you know, possible very serious conflict between China and the West. You know, this exercise you talked about, the live um, the live fire exercise and other military exercises that 
China has planned very close, particularly to southern Taiwan, uh, after Ms. Pelosi leaves, really could be a precursor to a blockade of Taiwan, which, you know, Taiwan produces 80% of the globe's uh, computer chips and could be a very serious issue if China got uh, managed to, to to get Taiwan into its orbit and take control of, of Taiwan's uh, imports and exports. And it certainly sounds like Canada, of all countries, is not quite ready for those for the, for that eventuality if it should happen. Charles Burton, thank you so much for your time tonight. It's good to speak with you, Ben.